Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're glad that you're here. I would like to offer a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us. We're very glad that you are here, and if you have questions or comments about this faith or this congregation, please do see the knowledgeable and friendly people at the membership table and visitor table out there in the foyer, and they'll be happy to help you. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in every person. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left, welcoming them here this morning. Our opening words are from the neo-pagan tradition. It's called calling the directions or calling the quarters. Powers of east, direction of air, the breeze that stirs the curtains in your grandmother's house, the wind that whips the tops of the trees, blow through us as we gather today to celebrate this earth, our home. May it be so. Powers of the south, powers of fire, the hearth fire, the forest fire, burn through us as we gather today. We welcome you, so may it be. Powers of the west, direction of water. Gentle waves. Powerful waves, we tumble in you, we surf on you, we enjoy the rain when it comes. Flow through us as we gather to celebrate this earth, our home. Powers of the north, direction of earth, fur and bone, tree and stone. Ground us as we gather here today to celebrate this earth, our home. The circle is cast. We're between the worlds. Where joy and sorrow, earth and sky, meet sacred space. Where science and magic can both happen together. Please join with me as we say the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. The opening words are what we say in women's spirituality as we cast the circle. By the earth that is her body, by the air that is her breath, by the fire of her bright spirit, by the waters of her living womb, the circle is cast. 
we are between the worlds. And what happens between the worlds changes us and the worlds. Blessed be. People ask, what holds you all together? You call yourselves Unitarian Universalists, but you have roots and practices from every major religion in the earth, including secular humanism and neo-paganism, and what holds you together? And we can answer, there are many things, but one of the things that holds this congregation together is its mission. We wrote it on the wall. We keep it in mind. We say it every Sunday together. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Some of you kids remember the last time you were here all through the service was water communion. And we had a time in the service when we all got really quiet and when we put our hands on our hearts and our belly and breathed into those places and got very still, as still as we could. Some people just can't do it. That's okay. So here we go. Let's breathe deeply into our hearts and our bellies. Deep as you can, fill up your lungs as much as you can. It's a really good practice to do 10 deep breaths like this every day. So we're going to do 10 right now together. Ready? One. You don't have to breathe right with me. It's okay. You are now invited to light candles of joy and sorrow, hope and remembrance. In your bulletin, the title of the sermon is Songs and Stories from the Women's Spirituality Tradition, but as I got to meditating and thinking about what I'd like to say to you this morning, I should have titled it, I'm Going to Teach You a Really Good Spell. So, old-time people, long, 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 long ago, didn't have clocks or calendars. How did they know what time it was? What? Their phone. No. That was darling, though. Yes, the sky. They looked at the sky because there is an object that moves across the sky all day long from one end of the sky to the other, and we call that the the sun. And so the old-timey people would look at the sun, and what else was in the sky at night? The moon and the stars, exactly. So they learned to tell the time and the seasons from the sun, the moon, and the stars. And when I talk about earth-based traditions, I talk about a religion that, that believes that one should reconnect with the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth. So, there are four seasons in many parts of the world.
And in many parts of the world, they have different weather in the different seasons. And how you tell when it's one season or another is you watch the sun. Because here's what happens. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but sometimes the days are really long. When is that? Summer. And sometimes the days are really short. When is that? Right. Christmas time, winter time, Yule. So the ancients noticed this growing longer and shorter of the days, and they told a story about it. They said the sun gets born in the wintertime, right around Christmas. There is a day when the night is the longest. That's called winter solstice. It's around the 20th or 21st of December. And then there's a day when, um, so the sun is born and he's very weak. And he doesn't burn very long every day. He goes to bed early because he's a kid. And then he gets stronger and stronger and the days get longer and longer until they're equal length, the days and the nights. Is this magic or science? Okay. And so what do we call that time in March when the days are equal? The spring equinox. That's right. Do you hear equal, equinox? It's a similar word. Then the sun gets really, really strong and starts burning hot, 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 hot. That's the summertime. And there's a day when the day is the longest in June. The day is the longest. So they call that the beginning of summer in June when the day is longest. And then after June, the days start getting shorter and shorter. So it's like the sun is working really hard, but it's making him kind of tired. And he goes to bed a little bit earlier every night, every night, every night, until in September, the days and nights are equal again. What do we call that? Fall equinox. Equinox. Okay, equal. Then the sun gets very, very tired and begins to burn less and less every day until the very shortest day of the year, December 21st. And the people used to worry, probably, we think, we don't know, they used to worry that the sun wasn't going to come back. But... The scientists, who were also the priests back then because they were noticing things and measuring things that other people didn't have time to notice, they knew that it was going to come back and that probably about four or five days after the shortest day you could tell. And so they would do all kinds of ceremonies on the shortest day to make the sun come back. And then they would say to the people, look, our ceremonies worked. The sun is coming back. And they would have a huge celebration right about, oh, December 25th, when we have our Christmas celebration, our Yule celebration. Lots of cultures are celebrating the sun coming back. Okay, now, that's how they knew the seasons were changing, because of the sun. And then you see what the moon is doing. You know what the moon does? It gets big and round, and then it gets little. Starts out little, big, little, big, little. So they told stories about the moon because you know what? They saw their moms do the same thing. 
the moms would be regular size, and then they'd get big and round, and then they'd have a baby, and they'd get regular size again. And then big and round again, have another baby, get regular size, big and round, have another baby. You know, sometimes they had lots and lots and lots of brothers and sisters back then. You think you have it bad with only two or three. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we do our spell. So they told a story about the moon, and they said, some people said, well, the moon is a, is a mother who's regular size and then gets big and then gets small again. And some people said, no, the moon is like a woman in her whole life, that she's a little girl, and then she becomes a mom, and then she becomes an old lady and all shrunk up, and then she goes away, and then she comes back with a little slip of a thing. And then she becomes a mom, and then she gets small again and, and goes away. So there were different stories they told about the moon. And there is a, a series of celebrations that's based on the sun and the moon and what they're doing. And our women's spirituality group is part of the movement of reinventing this religion that was based on being in touch with the sun and the moon and the earth and the planet. Okay, now I'm going to tell you about my Aunt Ruth. <laughs> my Aunt Ruth was a regular person. I mean, she, was, um, she put herself through medical school playing piano in a bar. And she could sing Cry Me a River. It would just make your hair stand on end. But um, so she was a doctor, and she became a psychiatrist, and... She was a psychiatrist for a very famous poet named Sylvia Plath. And, yes, and she, Sylvia Plath, decided to die. And my Aunt Ruth was sad about that for the rest of her life. And she kept trying to reach out and help the young people. She lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And she started reading tarot cards, which are like, they're not like playing cards, but they have a picture on them. And you lay them out in a certain way, and your intuition plus the pictures on the cards tell you certain things. Some people do them because they believe in game theory. And they say, you have a problem, then you just throw a random element in there, like the hanged man. You say, okay, consider your problem with the meaning of this card, which is sacrifice. How would that make you think about your problem differently? Anyway, so Aunt Ruth used to read tarot cards and read palms in a bar, and um, in a way, to help the young people, she felt like she might just tweak the readings a little bit and use her psychiatric training to help people. But she would say to me, you know, I never once had to fake anything. She ended up being an Episcopal priest, too, and taught at Perkins Seminary in Dallas. And um, she wrote lots of books. She taught me... See, my dad was very um, mad at his sister. I don't know if you ever get mad at your sister. But my dad got mad at his sister for teaching me how to read palms and tarot cards <laughs> and for telling me that all the people in our family going back to New England in the 1600s were witches. And so <laughs> he thought she was a very bad influence. 
I don't know if you know what that means, a very bad influence. But it means um, she helped me turn out well. (laughs) (laughs) And so when she taught me about spells, she said this. It's very important to know what you are asking for. So I want you to think about a wish you have in your heart, a heart's desire. Do you have a wish of any kind? Because I'm going to ask you questions about your wish. All right. You have a heart's desire. Now, do you really, really want that thing? You have to (laughs) Someone's a quick thinker. You have to ask yourself, what would my life be like if, that, if my wish came true? Is that what I want? Then you ask yourself, what about the rule of three? Now let me tell you about the rule of three. The rule of three means whatever you send out comes back to you three times stronger. So if you wish your little brother would be quiet and you do a spell for that, I know, I see, I have some amens in the back. And you do a spell for that, you realize that that quietness is going to come back to you three times, so you're going to end up being really, really quiet. If that's worth it to you, go for it. If you wish that your best friend would stop bugging you all the time by calling you on the phone, then you can make a spell for that, or you could just ask them to stop calling you so much which is a lot easier than a spell. It's kind of a shame to waste a spell on something you could just ask for. Know what I mean? Okay. So the rule of three is one rule about a good spell, and another rule about a good spell that kind of follows from the rule of three is it can't harm anybody. You can't harm anybody. That's a whole different kind of magic. We don't deal with that kind of magic here. You don't want to harm anybody. Because, you know, that would come back on you three times, too, and you don't want to get hurt. Am I right? Right. Okay. So the first line of the spell goes like this. Earth, water, air, and fire. And the re- why am I saying earth, water, air, and fire? Because the ancients, in some cultures, broke all the elements down into earth, Water, air, and fire, those were four ancient elements in some cultures. Other cultures put metal and wood in there, but not the culture of my village. So I'm teaching about the culture of my village and all the village witches in my family, going back to um, my great uncle who was squished with stones. I know. They didn't really um, burn anybody in New England very much. They mostly just... Anyway, I won't tell you about it. But anyway, they just put stones on top of him, and his last words were, one more. So you call all the ancient elements, earth, water, air, fire. And you know when we called the directions, we had, we had earth was a, a rattle made out of baobab nuts come from the earth. Air was a bell, a great big bowl bell. Fire was fire. Did you see the fire? No? We'll have to get the person, the next person to stand up on the pew and do it 
She was throwing fire, Olivia was. Maybe if you get older, I'll teach you how to throw fire. Then the water was a rain stick, which sounds like rain when you let it trickle down over its little protuberances inside. Um, all right. So the, the rule of three and harm no one. So do you have it in mind, what you really want? Are you willing for it to come back to you three times? Is nobody going to get hurt? Oh, there's another thing before I teach you the really good spell. Some people believe that you should say this spell or prayer or wish. Some people would fight with me about whether they're the same thing, and I'd be willing to fight. That would be great. I don't think they're exactly the same. But they think you should choose the right phase of the moon. Remember we talked about moon was little and then got big and then got little again and big again? Those are called the moon phases. And you need to learn how to tell whether the moon is getting bigger or smaller. I'm going to teach you right now. Hold up your hands. Okay. Hold up your right hand a little higher. You know what your right hand is? All right. Right hand. Now hold up your left hand a little higher. That's the other one. That's good. All right, make a moon shape with your left hand and look up at it. If the moon looks like your left-hand moon shape, it's leaving. You got that? Left hand leaving. Hold up your right hand and make a moon shape. If the moon looks like your right hand, it's returning. Right hand returning. So now you can just go outside. It's a new moon right now, very tiny. And it's making the shape of your right hand. It's kind of tilted like this. It looks like a cradle or a boat. But it'll straighten up as it gets bigger. And it's a returning moon right now. So if you are making a spell that wishes for something to, to get bigger or to get more, you want to do it, they say, when the moon is getting bigger. And if you are making a spell for something to go away, then you make it when the moon is getting smaller. Are you with me? And now you know how to tell. Leaving, returning. Okay, you can put your hands away or do whatever you are doing. Um, now, you have your heart's desire in your mind. You don't mind if it comes back to you three times. You know it's not going to hurt anybody. That's in the spell, too. The last thing to do is we make a fail-safe. Like, this is mistake-proofing your spell. We always say, my wish or higher. Because sometimes you wish for something, and you don't know it's not the right thing for you, but it's not the right thing for you. Like, you might wish for a great new pair of roller skates, right? You get one wish, Christmas time, you want roller skates, and then you wish for roller skates, so you do a spell, you're going to get roller skates, but then your family goes, we're moving to the beach, and you go, ah, I should have wished for a surfboard. Know what I'm saying? Sometimes the thing you wish, you don't have all the information about your life. Sometimes more information is revealed, I'm saying, only 100% of the time. 
And so you always say, my wish or higher, or my will or higher, and higher just means better. And the reason we use the word higher is because it rhymes with fire. And rhyming spells are more fun than spells that don't rhyme. All right. We're almost ready. You're going to need your bells. Does anybody have bells now? Hold up your phone if you've got a bell. All right, we don't have that many. That's all right. I'll put, can you, oh, we don't need it right now. All right, you're going to say these after me. Get your wish in mind. You can close your eyes or you can open them. It doesn't matter. You go, earth and water, air and fire. What I wish or something higher, if it will not hurt someone, what I wish, let it be done. Good. And then we just have some bells to celebrate the end of our spell. Now we're going to sing again. And this is a chant, which means it doesn't have very many notes. And it's good to stand up and stomp your feet because everything is a drum, including the floor of the church. And the words are in your bulletin, but they're very easy. It says, earth my body, water my blood air my breath, and fire my spirit. And when you say fire my spirit, you go like this. Okay? So get ready to stomp. Earth my body, water my blood, air my breath, and fire my spirit. Earth my body, water my blood, air my breath, and fire my spirit. Earth my body, water my blood. Air my breath and fire my spirit, earth my body, water my blood. Air my breath and fire my spirit, earth my body, water my blood. Air my breath and fire my spirit, earth my body, water my blood. Air my breath and fire my spirit, earth my body, water my blood. Air my breath and fire my spirit. Last time. Water my blood. Air my breath and fire my spirit. Beautiful. Please say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow.
Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.